Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Man, I'm so excited to be with you today. America, one of the pastors here, welcome back to the the local church, the perfect place for imperfect people. I just want to let you know on the onset that I can't wait for heaven. Am I the only one? Man, last week was so good, wasn't it? Just to talk about what heaven is going to be like. And I can't wait to get there, but I have to. Turn to someone tell them, we have to wait. See, because God has called us to a purpose while we're here. There are some things that, that he wants us to do. There are some people that only we can reach. There's a mission and a co-mission that he's called us to be a part of. And so we have to wait. Today, as we're concluding this teaching series, Life After Death, where we've been asking and answering these questions about heaven and hell and eternity. Today, I want to answer this final question of what do we do while we're here? What do we do while we're waiting? Open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 6. You can follow along on the screens. I encourage you to download the app while you're flipping there so you can take some notes. We've got a lot to cover today. Acts 1, starting in verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Say our kingdom. It's talking about here on earth. Jesus has resurrected. He has not yet ascended. They're saying, are you going to come back and are you going to fix everything here on earth? Our kingdom. He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know. In other words, nobody knows when Jesus will come back. Nobody knows the time that God has set aside for Jesus to come back and to take us with him. But verse 8 is a promise. Here's what we do know. But you will receive what? I love you, 1030. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, in Davie, in Broward County, in Florida, and the United States, all across the globe. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. And they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising to the heaven... It says that two white-robed men, two angels, suddenly stood among them. Verse 11. Men of Galilee, they say, why are you standing and, and, and staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into the heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. I love this picture. It's a picture of many of us while we're here. God has given us his word. Jesus has filled us with his Holy Spirit. He's given us his promise. He says, I want you to tell the world about me. And we just stare. Okay. All right. All right. How much longer? Do you know when he's going to come back? What do we do? And we just stare. And it's like the ending of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Do you remember that movie? These angels come and said, what are you guys doing? Go. Why are you you staring? Go, get out of here. He's given you his promise. He's told you what to do. Turn to someone next to you. Say, go. I titled today's teaching, To Go Until We Get There. What do we do while we're here? We, We go. 
Stop staring and go until we get there. Jesus, when he was with his disciples, he taught them how to pray. And this is what he said in Matthew 6, 9. Jesus said, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, our heavenly Father, he's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy, set apart is your name. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done, say this with me, on earth as it is in heaven. We're humans on earth, our heavenly fathers in heaven, and while we're here, we're to make his will our way. We're supposed to bring his kingdom down here on earth as it is in heaven. So, so what is heaven like? Because we have to bring that down here while we're here. Well, thankfully, we talked about what heaven's like last week. Do you remember that? We talked about several things that we will experience, that we will have in heaven. And so today, as we conclude this teaching series, as, as we figure out what we're supposed to do while we're here, we're supposed to do his will and bring his kingdom down here on earth as it is in heaven. What I want to do is I want to talk about what we talked about last week and talk about those things we'll experience in heaven and how we can bring that here to earth. So today, a lot of notes again. This teaching series has been filled with a lot of notes. I have five things that I want to talk about. Five things. And as I'm sharing that, here's what I want you to do. Here's your responsibility. To pray and ask the Holy Spirit, which one of these five things is my next step? Which one of these five things do you want me to focus on while I'm here? First thing I want you to write down is this. While we're here, we're to be worshipers. Say worshipers. While we're here, we're to be worshipers. Revelation chapter 21, it probably gives one of the most explicit images of heaven for those of us who are still here. And John, as he's writing what he's envisioning, what he sees, he begins to talk about this city in heaven that is adorned with all these incredible gemstones, with these buildings that are built with gold and these streets that are made with gold. But, but it's the characteristic of these precious items that's interesting. See if you can catch it. Revelation 21.10. John said, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And having the glory of God, its radiance was like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. Verse 18, the wall was built of jasper while the city was pure gold, clear as glass. Hmm. 21, and the 12 gates and the street of the uh, the twelve gates were twelve pearls, and each of the gates was made of a single pearl. That 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 comes from a very big clam, right? And the street of the city was pure gold. Are there streets of gold in heaven? Yes, there are. But the gold is transparent as glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for the temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need for the sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. He said this whole city is beautiful, it's ornate, but it's clear as crystal. You have all these precious gems, and he names several different ones, and he says that they are clear. I've never seen a clear emerald, have you? And then he talks about the gold streets and the buildings made of gold, 
And he says that the gold is clear. Have we ever seen a clear gold chain? Well, you have today. I'm wearing a big honking piece of bling. No, right? Gold is gold. It's as though these things that are so worthy and valuable to us here on earth, gold and crystal and jacinth and amethyst and, and all of these precious gems and, and minerals, they're transparent. They are see-through as to say, don't look at me. I'm not what this is about. There's a treasure far more valuable than me here. So see right through me. I want you to see Jesus through me. You know what that is? That's worship. That's what it means to worship. We talked last week how in heaven there's going to be rejoicing, right? There's going to be praising. There's going to be a celebration. There's going to be worship. And to bring the kingdom of heaven down here to earth while we're here, we're to be worshipers. This is what we mean by when we say that one of our values here is faith, that faith happens here. We say that giving God all of who I am, that's the greatest gift that I could offer him. Because he's worthy of all of my life. He's worthy of all my dedication, all of my focus. He's worthy of all of my time. He's worthy of my worship. Romans 12.1. Paul says to the people in the church in Rome, he says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. I want you to understand this. Give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living, say living, a living and holy sacrifice. Don't wait until you're dead to set your life apart for him. Be a living sacrifice, someone who's set apart, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. While we're here, we're to be worshipers. We're to live our lives as a sacrifice that is set apart for him, which is worship. Well, what does that mean practically? Does that mean that all of us, we have to come to church every single day? Does that mean that all of us, we have to sing all of the time? Does it mean that all of us grab a microphone and come on stage every single Sunday and all of us get a chance at singing? No! Let me be very clear. That's not what that means, okay? You know, God loves when his people make a joyful noise, but our neighbors don't, amen? <laughs> we, we don't like hearing people worshiping like their cat's dying. That's not what that means. So what does it mean? Simply, it means that we give God gratitude for what he's given to us. Thank you, God, for, for all that I have, because it comes from you. It means to, to thank him for, for what's happening in your life. Thank you that I've made it another day. Thank you that I have breath in my lungs. Thank you that I have blood in my body. Thank you that I have a family that loves me. It means that I'm not ashamed to let him know or to let other people know how good he's been to me, right? And yes, it does mean that we sing out loud. It does mean that we worship him in song. And when we do that, the Bible tells us that not only does it bless God, not only does God get to hear worship from, from those that he loves, but it, it blesses God and it breaks our chains. Acts chapter 16, you don't have to turn there. I'm not going to read it, but I'll talk through it. 
It's a story of Paul and Silas late in their midnight hour. They were captured. They were placed in a jail cell. And typically that meant punishment or death. But there they were late in their midnight hour without any hope of how are they, go they, they were going to escape. And what did they do? Even though their, their wrists were shackled, they, they could still lift their hands. They began to lift their praise. Their, their feet were in stocks, but they could still lift their eyes and lift their head and lift their voice. And they chose to praise God in that prison cell. They chose to remind themselves that God has been so good, that he's so faithful. doesn't matter the sickness that I have. It doesn't matter the situation that I'm in. God has been so good and so faithful. And it set them free. It changed their perspective. They were no longer looking at the difficult ahead of them, but they were looking at the kingdom that is to come. Because let me tell you something. It may be difficult on this side of eternity. You may be sick right now, but God promises us a forever with no more shame, no more sin, no more sickness. We can look forward to that eternity while we're here in heaven. They were set free because they chose to worship God. But you know what else happened? Those who heard them were also set free. I'm telling you, church, for those of you who've been set free by Jesus, you've received his free gift of salvation. When we come and when we praise God in this place, there are people here who've had a difficult week. There are people here who've been forced to come or who believe that they're, that, that they're looking for something that will set them free. And when they see the people of God freely worshiping, when your neighbors and your coworkers know what's happening in your life but hear the praise coming from your lips, it'll set them free. It'll help them know that we, we have a God who's even Lord over all the storms. Amen? Amen? Matthew 22, 37, Jesus replied. This is his great commandment. He said, you must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Verse 38, this is the first and greatest commandment. While we're here, we're to be worshipers. This is the first and greatest commandment. So let's praise him. Amen? Let's praise him publicly, proudly when we're here. Amen? Let's, let's praise him privately. Let, let's, let's show him and the world that, that he is worthy. While we're here to be worshipers, that's the first thing. But he continues on, Matthew 29, 22, 39. He says, a second is what? We have the first and we have the second, which is equally important. What does he say? He says, love your neighbor as yourself. In verse 40, he says, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Everything in the Old Testament, all the law that you read, it can be summarized into love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. So I want you to write the second thing down. While we're here, we're to serve others. What do we do while we're waiting? We don't just stare up in the sky. Well, what do we do? While people are, are, are in need, while people are hurting, no, we're to serve people. And that's what we mean when we say that help happens here. The way that I serve God that, that I can't see is by serving the people that I can. While we're here, we're to serve other people. Remember last week we talked about how in heaven there's going to be responsibilities. All of us are going to have something to do. Something we're responsible for that we love doing. And the same is true here on earth. We can find our purpose for living Right here on earth, God has made us all with a purpose, on purpose. And part of that is serving others. 
The, the promises and the power that we experience from God through serving other people, man, it helps us to look more and more like Jesus. To live out, living like the image of God and bringing his kingdom down here to earth. This was so important to Jesus. Before he paid the penalty of our sin, before he even broke bread with his friends, do you remember what he did right before he had this last supper with his disciples? What did he do? He washed their feet. I mean, you think about that. He's about to go to heaven to prepare the place for us. And he's intentional about washing their feet. I don't know about you guys, but if I have a trip coming up, there's three things on my mind. Do I have my keys, my wallet, my cell phone? Those are the three things on my list. Okay, then I kiss my wife, my kids, I say I love them. Washing their feet? Hey, babe, before I go, before I fly out, uh, let me wash your feet. That's not on my list of things to do. That's on no one's list of things to do, right? But it was important to Jesus. It was important to serve his friends, those that he loved. John 13, 12. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again. He sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? Do you know why I just did this? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's who I am. I'm your Savior. I'm your Lord. And since I, your Lord, and your teacher have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. Verse 15, I've given you an example. As you've seen me do, I want you to do. I want you to follow this example. Do as I have done to you. Verse 16, I tell you the truth. Slaves are not more uh, greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message, meaning all of us are equal. It doesn't matter, you know, what your bank account looks like or how many uh, initials you have after your name. In the eyes of God, we are all imperfect people that have great value to him. So verse 17, he says, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Jesus was teaching them there's power in serving. It produces a heart of humility inside of us instead of a heart of pride. When, when we serve other people, it, it helps us to discover the gifts that he's deposited in our hearts. It helps us to develop these gifts. We can't grow in our giftings if all we're doing is holding them onto ourselves. So we serve other people, and we're developing, and we're discovering our purpose in his life, and we understand his provision for people and how he uses us to be a part of it. This is the importance of serving. And not only, not only does it bless other people, but we're blessed because of that. I mean, for those of us who, who serve God by serving people here, we know that to be true. That the smile, the miracle of a smile that we can put on someone's face by serving them or by feeding them food, the, the joy and the miracle that we get to experience by, by helping someone with some issues in their house or, or bringing them hurricane supplies and, and carrying through them, through the storm. Man, it shows God's provision. It shows God's power. It shows his, his, his love and his presence. And he uses us people to do that. Love God. Love one another. This is the great commandment. Jesus said, Everything in the Old Testament, all the laws can be summarized in these two things. And while you're here, you're to love God. You're to love other people. You're to worship him and you're to serve them. That was his great commandment. But the final words that Jesus shared to us are also very important. And this is known as his great 
commission. He's commissioned us to a purpose while we're here. So Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 19, it says, go. Turn to your neighbor again. Tell him, go. Go. Go and do what? Make disciples of all the nations. Third thing that we're supposed to do while we're here. While we're here, we're to share Jesus. We're to share this love and this hope of Jesus because more than anything else, more than anyone else, what everyone needs is Jesus. They need his hope. They need his love. They need to experience his forgiveness. They, they, they need to know that he's the only way to a relationship with God the Father, that he's the only way to get to the kingdom of heaven. We need Jesus, and we're to share Jesus. We're to make disciples, but a disciple is not simply someone who comes to church. A disciple is someone who, who surrenders their life and their way to the way of Jesus. A disciple is someone who's placed their faith in Jesus and decided to follow Jesus with their life. And again, this is very different than simply attending church. Do you know that? When I was growing up, I attended church faithfully. I went to a church where we had church seven days a week. I didn't go seven days a week, but I did go about five or six most weeks. I was there all the time. And I knew all the verses, and I could sing all the songs, and I could recite all the scriptures. And in my church, we were extra. We didn't just have a worship team. We had a body worship team. And guess who was a part of that? This guy. I was like the male cheerleader. I was the only guy who was part of the body worship team. He's changing me, my precious Jesus. We had weird hand motions. It was so weird, but, but I loved doing it. And I stood up on stage and was like, oh, he, he's such a nice boy. Daughter, you should marry that Korean boy. Like, everyone loved me. And I had, I had so much joy doing that, but it wasn't real joy. I had so much hope, but it wasn't biblical hope because I hoped that by me making a fool of myself and little by little bit every, it felt like, you know, keep on, keep on. Why am I doing all this? It just felt like the Brady Bunch. And I, I, I hoped that by me doing this and making a fool of myself for Jesus that God would say, well, I love you because of that. I hoped that I had done enough good to get me close to God but my hope wasn't real because I had no faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, faith is the confidence. Say confidence. That's what this whole series, Life After Death, has been about. That we can have confidence here in this room and not simply hope what we can know. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. And it gives us assurance about the things that we cannot see. I didn't have real hope and I didn't have real faith because I was a fan of God, not a follower of Jesus. I believed in God. We all believe in God. But I didn't surrender my life to following Jesus, even though I went to church all the time. Do you know today, right now, as we're, we're here, there are Millions of churches all across this globe filled with tens, if not hundreds of millions of people who are singing the songs, who are reciting the verses, who some are, are doing the body worship. Oh, yeah, Jesus. But doesn't mean they're disciples, does it? No, it doesn't. This is why we have to share Jesus not just share church, not just share religion, not just share happy sayings and happy songs. 
I went to church my whole life, but I didn't become interested in Jesus until someone stopped staring into the sky, just waiting for the kingdom to come down or waiting for them to go to the kingdom. And they saw me and they saw my need and they sat down with me and they told me the truth about God's love for me through his son Jesus. And they explained to me that my sin has separated me from this God, but Jesus has come to be my Savior. It wasn't until someone shared Jesus with me that I became interested in following him. And here I am today, set free with a real hope and a real purpose because someone shared Jesus with me. We can. We can do that too. Do you remember last week I said there's going to be rewards in heaven? Literally everything we do, God sees and God rewards. When we serve somebody, when we care for them, when we give generously, when we pray in a quiet place, God sees and God rewards. But I'm telling you, we can give the greatest reward. We can give the greatest treasure to someone else while we're here on earth. We can share Jesus with them. So what does that look like while we're here? If we're to share Jesus while we're here, I can see some of your faces. You're like, that's the job of the pastor. That's your responsibility. I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't go to seminary. Neither did I. I'm not good sharing God's word. I don't even know a whole lot of the Bible. And so Satan lies to us and Satan deceives us into believing that before we can share Jesus with someone, we have to have all the questions about the universe and theology and God figured out or else they're going to be annoyed or they're going to be angry with us. And that's a lie. You don't have to know all the answers to all the questions. Let me ask this. Honestly, if this is you, raise your hand. How many believers in Jesus, you're following Jesus with your life, all right, you're not just coming to church, but you've surrendered your life to Jesus. You've done that because someone answered every single question you had about God, worship, heaven, hell, eternity, theology. That's why. We had one person, we had one person here, one person last service. That's like one out of 800 because it's the minority of people. God has created some people to, to be very intriguing and want the information. But for the most part, most people don't really care how much you know. They just want to know that somebody actually cares about them. And so we can just love them. We don't have to overthink it. This is what we mean when we say that love happens here. That I can love other people because he's first loved me. The reason I can share this love that I've experienced is because I've experienced it first. He's loved me first. God's love for me is, is why I point other people to him. So let's not keep it to ourselves, amen? Let's give it away. If, if you had a magic pill that would give someone joy for all eternity, would you keep that to yourself? If you, if you had the answer that would solve someone's eternal destination, someone's value here on earth, would you keep that to yourself? No, of course we wouldn't. At minimum, we'd share with the people that we love, but too many of us are afraid or ashamed to share Jesus. Let's bring people to heaven with us while we're here, amen? 
What does that mean practically then? If I don't have to know all the answers, what does that mean practically? We, we say this often here at the local church. We, we, we encourage people to invest and invite. Say invest. invest. To invest and say invite. 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 It's that simple. Invest in someone's life. Let them know how much they matter to you, to, to God, by, by how they matter to you through your living. Invest in them. Get to know your neighbors. In, invite someone to, to dinner. Invite someone to coffee before you invite them to church. Invest in their life, but then invite them. That's an easy way. God has, has, has made the church easily accessible for people who, who want to bring their friends to heaven with them. And that simple invite, that simple, would you sit next to me? That could change everything about their eternity. Amen? Let's not keep this to ourselves. Let's, let's give it away. Let's bring people to heaven with us. And that leads us to the next thing. Matthew 28, 19, it continues. Turn to another neighbor right now and say, go. Go. Come on. Until we get there, go. And make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I remember when I first got married, I was head over heels, madly in love with my wife. I still am, more today than ever before. But back then, I was a whole lot more shameless, all right? And I just wanted everyone to know, I'm in love with Jessica Allen, okay? I, want, I wanted everyone to know. And so while my wife was out of state visiting family in North Carolina, I decided that I was going to show the world how madly in love with her I was by getting a tattoo, so my wife called me. She says, hey, where are you? I'm at a tattoo shop. Why? Getting a tattoo. Of what? Of your name on my ring finger. No. Don't do it. Why not, babe? Listen, if God calls us to be missionaries in North Korea or in the African bush and we can't wear jewelry, I want everyone to know that I love you. She said, don't do it. I thought it was a symbol of my love for her, but she thought it was a kiss of death. For any relationship. Eric, if you put my name on your body, I'm telling you it will be over. Don't do it. It just messes up relationships. It's like, fine. So I didn't do it. I got the infinity symbol instead. <laughs> I didn't put her name on there. But that's what baptism is. She told me, she said, Eric, don't get the tattoo. Just wear a ring and show the world that you love me by your actions. And what baptism is, it's, it's a symbol of our love for him, of the, the, the life that we live for him. All of it's a symbol. It's a symbol that, that's, that, that plays out, that is experienced by, by immersing someone. That's what the word baptism comes from. It comes from the word baptizo, which means to immerse. And the water is a symbol of, of Jesus' blood that washes us. And when they go down underneath the water, it's a symbol that we've been buried in death like Christ. But when we come up, it's a symbol that we've been raised to newness of life in him. And so what baptism is, it's a symbol, it's the marriage ring of our relationship with God that we then live out with our lives. This year, we have seen 413 people surrender their life to Jesus here at the local church. And for whatever reason, because it's a tub of water and it's weird and it's in front of other people, 
A lot of, a lot of people surrendered their life to Jesus, have not put on the ring. So far this year, 58 people have decided to go public with their faith to declare, I belong to Jesus through baptism. In several weeks, we're going to be baptizing again. We're going to be baptizing during our worship. And I want to encourage you to sign up. I want to encourage you to, to make that commitment because we want to celebrate with you. We, we, we want to come alongside and, and, and worship and, and cheer and, and, and welcome you publicly to the family. Because that's what baptism ultimately displays. It's a symbol of the new family that we belong to. And this family of God, we call it our church familia. This is why we say familia happens here. Genuine community and connectedness is what God has created us for. So the fourth thing to do while we're here, write this down. While we're here, we're to connect in community. While we're here, don't just, don't just wait, but get connected. Remember, hell is eternal solitude. It's away from God. It's away from other people. But we talked last week that heaven is a reunion. It's a celebration with the people who have gone before us. And we're going to see them again. And I can't wait for that. But while we're here, we don't just stare up and say, one day I'm going to see you, abuela. No, we, we go and we connect in community. Jesus said from the very beginning, he said it's not good for us to be alone. I know we have some introverts here. The thought of heaven, oh, there's going to be all these people there. I'm telling you, there's a perfect place in heaven for all the introverts where everyone's just going to be standing around and not saying a word and it's going to feel perfect. <laughs> but while you're here, it's not good for you to be alone. First of all, we need the accountability of community. We need to be sharpened by other people. We need, we need people to share God's word to us. We need people to encourage and challenge us. I'm telling you, you can grow without community, but you will never be a full, mature disciple of Jesus without connecting with other Christians. But not only that, all of us, we, we, we went through COVID. All of us locked up in our homes and the, the toll it took on people's mental health we can't be alone. It's not good for us to be alone. And so connecting community, it's for our, our goodwill. It's for our health. We know that we have people that, that we can turn to when things get difficult. We have a family who will pray with us and who will pray for us. This is the family of God. It's so important for us to connect in community. And the great thing about this community is that it's open to everyone. Some of you may be here today and say, well, I'm not like you and I don't, I don't believe in what you believe in. I didn't grow up where you grow, grew up and, and I'm new here and I don't feel like I belong. This, this community, this family of God is open to everyone. Revelation 7-9. This is a picture of heaven, all right? After I saw this, a vast crowd, too great to count from every nation and tribe and language, standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. And they were clothed in white robes. They, they were washed in his blood. They were sinless. And they held palm branches in their hands. They were worshiping him. This, this is a beautiful picture of forever, of this unity and diversity that we'll experience in the kingdom of heaven. People from every tribe, from every language, from every color of skin, from every culture, all together in unity. And to live out God's will on earth as it is in heaven, we are to bring that here to earth. 
The church should be leading in that. Sunday shouldn't be the most segregated day of, of, of the week in America. We should be diverse and unified like the kingdom of heaven. And so the church, how the church leads in that, the Bible lays out a, a very detailed plan of what that looks like. In Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about how each part of the church is built up by the diversity and the necessity of each piece playing its specific parts. We need every piece. But what that doesn't mean is that, well, the preacher is supposed to preach and the counselors are supposed to counsel and the cafe team is supposed to make the coffee. Everybody know your role, okay? Not everyone could be the head. I'm the head. I'm the mouth. You're the foot. You're whatever. That's not what it means. It means that it's an invitation to not just have the cafe team make the coffee, but to invite some Latin Americans to make some cafecito, amen? Come on. Not just to greet at the door, but, but to bring some Europeans and some Islanders to greet one another with a holy kiss. At South Florida, we can do that. To, to bring some people who have some R and B, some rhythm and blues to be part of the worship team so there's some more rhythm there. This is, again, why I'm not part of it. Because I don't sing very well. But you know what? It's also an invitation. Let an Asian teach. Let's have some women lead. Amen? Amen. Let, let's have some men counsel. Let's have some older folks mentor. Let's have some young folks cast a vision of the future and dream dreams. This is the kingdom of God. Ephesians 4, 16. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's what it means to connect in community. That's what it need, means to, to be the church, to bring the kingdom of heaven down here to earth. So let's not wait until we get there, okay? I, I do a lot of funerals, and I hate hearing this at funerals, but I hear it every single time. I wish we didn't have to wait until someone that we love passed away for us to come together. This was nice. I'm so sad that we had to meet under this context. Don't wait. Don't stare into the sky. Go. Get connected. Reconcile your relationships. Get plugged in. Be in community. The fifth and final thing. While we're here, we're to build the church. We're to build his church. Matthew 28, 19. Go. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. See, all those things we talked about, that's building the church. And the Holy Spirit is leading some of us to one of those things. But all of us on this side of eternity, we should be about those things. That's what it means to build his church while we're here. But it's that second line that's most important. See, teach and do everything that we've observed that we would live out. But listen, if we don't know that his presence is always with us, it doesn't matter how much we talk about theology or unity or serving or evangelism or praising and worship, if we don't experience and we don't understand that his presence is actually here with us, then that means his kingdom is not here with us. 
So we're to build his church. We're to be in his presence. We talked about the great commission and the great commandment. These two important things that Jesus shared with us, his people, before he left. These are the five things that we value as a church. These are the five things that we we believe that every church should be fixated and focused on. Love, help, familia, faith, and hope. We believe that hope happens here. That I can be all that God wants me to be no matter who I used to be, that even though I've been staring up in the sky for some time, that I can be used by God, that I can see his power in and through my life, that God can use me to bring the kingdom down to earth. Amen? Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said, and I tell you, you are Peter. You are a little stone. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's not just talking about on this earth while you're here, this third rock from the sun, I'm going to build my church. What he's telling Peter is on imperfect people, I'm going to build my church. Do you remember how many mistakes Peter made? I mean, so many. He cut off Malchus's ears. He's like, come on, man, let me put this back on. What are you doing, Peter. I have to wash your feet. You're not going to wash my feet. If I don't wash your feet, I have nothing to do. Wash my whole body. Peter, I don't got to wash your whole body. I just got to wash. Come on, would you get it? Peter made so many mistakes, but yet God used him to build the church. He says, upon imperfect people, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That doesn't mean hell is attacking us. Gates are secure. Gates are stationary. You know what that means? It means we're the ones who are kicking it down. We're the ones who are charging it. We're the ones who are are breaking into hell and rescuing people and giving them the hope of heaven. How do we do that? It's when we build the church. Well, how do we build the church? He continues on in verse 19. He says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What does that mean? Back in Jesus' time, only the most trusted would get the keys to the estate, would get the keys to the home. And what that key represented was now that person had the authority to unlock and lock, to open, to close, to invite, and to send out, to bring the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean on earth as it is in heaven? It means that we have the authority of God, our Father and our friend and our Savior Jesus, to bring the kingdom of heaven, to build the church down here on earth as it is in heaven. We have his authority to do that. We have his name tattooed in our hearts. We have his spirit empowering us. And we have all the authority to bring heaven down here to earth. That's how we build this church. I want to make this very clear. The church isn't brick and mortar. What Jesus was talking about was not building something out of stone and rock. The church is made up of flesh and blood. When we talk about building the church, it's not the building, it's the people. We're the church. 
We're who he wants to build up so we can build up other people. We're the ones that he wants to build up and develop so we can bring his kingdom here. So my question as we conclude today is, are you willing for him to build you up? Are you willing and allowing the spirit of God to build up his church in you? This is our year of release. We've been talking about this idea of letting go to God. And when we do so, we just believe his word to be true, that that when we release to him, that he pours upon us a blessing that we cannot contain. That when we let go to God, that God lets go and releases upon us all that he wants to do. And today is a time of release for us. The Holy Spirit has been leading some of you. This is your next step. I want you to be unashamed in worship. I want you to get off your butt and start serving. I put these talents in you. Don't waste them. I want you to get connected in community. You know you need it. Don't wait until another day. Don't wait until there's a sign up again. I want you to share this love with those that you love. Whatever the Holy Spirit has been leading you to do, all of it has been to build up his church, to bring his kingdom down here to earth. And some of us, we've been sitting on it. Some of us, we've just been staring too long. But today, today, let's set aside as something holy. let's, Let's have a symbol for us to be released by God, for God to do what he wants to do. On every chair, there's a release card. If you grab that and hold it up right now. If you're here today, And you're saying, I felt a nudge in my heart. I felt something in my spirit. That's the spirit of God saying, I want you to release yourself. And you may not know what it looks like. You may not know all the details, but today is the first step of faith. If that's you, if you're saying, God, would, would you build me up and send me out while I'm here waiting? Use me to build your church. Use me to bring heaven down. If that's you, Would you just use that card as as a symbol of your commitment and write your name down? And at the conclusion of this service, as we head out, we can drop that in our release box and we'll pray over those and we'll pray for you and what God wants to do in your life. But today is that moment of faith, of crossing the line, saying, Lord, send me. I release myself for for your use, your will, your way. Would you do that right now? Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.